Hey everyone, I'm Jen Garrett and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. On this podcast, we are going to talk about how to succeed in business and in life by putting winning strategies into practice to help you advance faster. So if you're looking to move forward and reach that next level of greatness, then you are in the right place. Now get ready. Let's suit up, show up and move the ball. Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you on another episode of Move the Ball. Today, inside the huddle with us and ready to help us to move the ball is Gus Farratt. Gus was a professional quarterback who played in college at the University of Tulsa, where he finished his college career as the school's second-ranked all-time passer. While in college, Gus threw for 5,480 yards and 32 touchdowns. Gus then played in the NFL for 15 seasons, where he played for seven teams, the Redskins, the Lions, the Broncos, the Bengals, the Vikings, the Dolphins, and the Rams. And in 2008, he retired as a Minnesota Viking. Now, after his 15 years in the NFL and raising three children who played contacts sports. Gus is moving the ball off the field, uh, where he's very passionate about people taking care of their brain and has partnered with entrepreneurs making an impact in the space. Gus, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jen. Thanks for having me on. Well, I'm glad that you're here with us today and being inside my huddle. I know that's a a term that you will talk about your podcast uh, in a a bit, but uh, let's start off our conversation. So, you know, we just had the virtual NFL draft here a little bit ago, and which I have to say was very well done for being the first ever virtual draft telecast. What did you think of it? No, I thought it was really, really well done. I like how it was kind of interesting to see everybody's houses. See Joe Burrow comes probably from some pretty humble backgrounds, uh, you know, and you see his house. He's going to be a number one pick. He's going to be making millions and millions of dollars. It was really interesting. I thought that the NFL and all the teams did a great job with it. Yeah, I really like that uh, additional level of intimacy, getting to see their families, getting to see uh, houses. So I thought it was very well well done. And hopefully we'll be back to normal next year with the draft being in, in Cleveland. So now the draft is something that you are familiar with as you were selected in the 1994 draft by the Washington Redskins, seventh round. Share with us, what was that experience like for you? I definitely had a different path back in those days. We really didn't have social media, all of those types of things. We connect easy with people. You were hearing a lot more from your agent of what was going on. For me, it was really different because after my senior season at the University of Tulsa, uh, that winter I came home and I interned with the Pittsburgh Pirates, actually. And so for the second half of my senior semester, I interned with the Pittsburgh Pirates. I lived with my then girlfriend, now wife, Anne, you know, went through interning at the Pirates, working out for teams, not at my college, but at Three Rivers Stadium and where the Steelers worked out. So I had coaches coming up and the University of Pittsburgh. So coaches would call me and want to come work me out. And then I got invited to the Combine to be one of the quarterbacks. They usually take about five every year to throw every day. And at that point, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to try to make it into the NFL. So I went every day. The Combine threw for every position, didn't just do my workout, did all the workouts. And I think that's what really helped me get noticed by the Redskins, just being out there, seeing that I didn't really have any arm problems, could make every throw, had a strong arm. Yeah, there was, you know, there was some stuff that they needed to work on with me, but uh, I think they understood that was all easily fixed by good coaching. 
And so what did you do in the weeks uh, that followed after you got notification that you're being drafted by the Redskins? How did you ensure that you were going to be successful in this next level of play? Since, as you know, it's a little bit different or a lot different going from college to the pros. Well, it's a lot different, you know, and you're coming into camp. You have veterans, you have rookies, you have a big mix of people. And so we had uh, a few quarterbacks in there. You know, it was a new head coach in North Turner. And Norv was obviously going to pick somebody in the first round. Uh, he picked Heath Schuler, And then they picked me in the seventh round. And then we had a couple other veterans, John Freeze, Pat O'Hara. Uh, and I'm trying to remember if there was another quarterback in there. So you're all fighting for your lives because we're all kind of in the same boat. You're usually trying to keep up with the veterans because they've been around. They understand the league. They understand what it takes to uh, be good in the league. John Freeze ended up being the veteran that, that stayed. Heath was going to be there. And then I had to fight for a third-string job against Pat O'Hara and then end up winning that job. Pat was a very good quarterback. You know, luckily I got to stay and go through all the mini camps because you don't, you don't get to get there until later. But what I had to do was go in and work hard every day. And luckily for me, Heath Schuler held out for training camp. And so in training camp, instead of Heath getting all the reps, I was getting all the reps. Uh, so that worked out really well for me. Um, Heath and I talked about that. That's probably one of the things that he said he would do over was not miss that first year of training camp. But uh, for me, it worked out great because I got to take all his reps and really learn the offense and the system. And now for people that, that don't know, so you played, as I mentioned earlier, for 15 seasons in the NFL, but uh, the average NFL career has shortened. It used to be 3.2 years. It's now under two. So I recently did this Path to the Draft series where I interviewed 13 different draft prospects about their stories. Eight of them ended up getting drafted or picked up as priority free agents. What advice would you give to those young men as they're preparing to go into the NFL? I think first you have to be lucky. You know, I got extremely lucky. I had the talent. I had the arm. I had the size uh, to do those things. I got lucky by, um, you know, Heath not being there. But I would say it's just it's just plain old hard work and perseverance. You go in with an open mind. Whatever the coaches tell you, you do. Whatever you learned in college, you forget. And then you're going to go into a whole new system. So whether it's in the weight room, whether it's in the classroom or out in the field, uh, you got to go with a blank slate. You got to learn everything new. And for me, that's what I really tried to do with the CBA being what it is. It's completely different when I was a, a young quarterback in the league where I could go out in the field every day and throw. My coach could be there with me every day. And I threw nonstop every day. And, and Cam Cameron was my quarterback coach. And he and I would just work, 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 work. And you, you got to get to that point. And then you got to study, study, study. If you think you can just go into the NFL and because you run a 4-3 and, and you can jump, that's not everything that it takes. I mean, you have to have an understanding of the game. You have to have an understanding of who your coach is and what they want, but they also have to have an understanding of who you are and what your needs are as well. So it all has to work together, and my recommendation is work extremely hard, listen to your coaches, be the first one in and the last one out. That's great advice. And I think that's great advice, whether you're on the football field or just playing the game of life in any career, you always want to make sure that you're coachable, that you're listening to the people in the workplace, so to speak, that are coaching, quote unquote, coaching you and giving you feedback on how you can approve and then just show up every day and put that work in day in and day out. Now, for there's a number of listeners that some people are avid football fans. Some people don't really know 
a ton about the sport. So share with us, what is it like being a quarterback playing in the National Football League? Uh, it's, a, it's a great job. It's one of the best uh, you ever have. I mean, imagine that you get to go out, you get to play in front of, you know, 70, 80,000 people. Uh, you have opportunities to uh, prolong your career every time you step on that field, every time you step in front of a microphone to answer questions, what type of person you are. Are you going to stand up, be a man, uh, you know, and, and answer the questions? Or are you going to fall away and hide? So there's a lot of things that go on into playing a quarterback. So one of the first things I learned is that, you know, it, it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of studying. Uh, because if you call play wrong, uh, if you tell somebody to do something that's wrong, all those little mistakes, they cause you to slow down when you play. Uh, when you see guys that aren't making the throws on time, aren't doing the right things, I almost guarantee that there's a misunderstanding of what they're supposed to do. You don't get to the NFL by not having the talent. There's more to it than that. You have to understand everything. You know, emotionally, can you handle a coach yelling at you because you threw an interception in a practice and then come back and forget about it? Daryl Green always told me, you know, it's all about the next play. It's not about the last one. When you listen to veterans talk like that, that have played for 20 years, you understand that, hey, things happen. You know, we're all human. Sometimes you make a mistake. How do you rebound from that? How fast can you let those things go? And as a quarterback, it has to be extremely fast. Uh, when I was playing for the Denver Broncos, uh, one game we were playing the San Diego Chargers, threw four interceptions, but threw five touchdowns, uh, threw a touchdown at late in the game to win the game to Ed McCaffrey. And so you just have to have a, an ability to go through as a quarterback and forget what was in the past. You need to learn from it. But you need to move on as well. So I think the biggest thing is learn from your past, let it go, move on and just, you know, try to get better every day. And, and by getting better, I mean, you know, stay on top of your workouts, stay on top of your mechanics, stay on top of what got you there, your foundation. And in the end, it's about being a good leader, a good person. And, uh, you know, you're out there leading uh, a group of men on the field. They're all looking at you when you're the quarterback. And I've been around guys who don't want to say anything. And think that it, just because how they play, it's going to be enough. Now, when you're the quarterback, you're the general, you're the leader. Um, and they're all looking to you for advice and uh, strong leadership. And I really like that you talked about focusing on the next play. It's important that we we look at what happened in the past and that we learn from it, but we don't want to remain fixated on that pass. And you have to focus on where you're going next, not what took place before. And you're absolutely right. I mean, whether you're on the football field or not, you need to have that ability to bounce back and not remain stuck in those situations. And I see a lot of people in the business world, just in life that they just waste so much time uh, worrying over what happened or being upset over it. And you just don't have time for that. You got to move on. So I'm glad that yeah. you brought that up. Yeah. One of the things I've learned in the business world, you know, you, you stress so much about the PowerPoint and what it looks like. And people are telling you it's got to be perfect and you got to go over and over and over it. And uh, I just realized, like, you, you got to do what you can do. And then when you go in there, you, you speak your mind and it's always going to be perfect. But if you don't do that, if you don't go in there and be yourself every time, you're never going to learn. If you're that person that sit there and quiet and yeah, sometimes you have to listen. That's very important. But sometimes you have to go in there and be who you are, because if not, then when you go into that next room, you didn't learn anything. And uh, the only way you learn is by doing, I think. And uh, I think really 
in that world, and what I tried to do when I started making PowerPoints and having presentations and doing all those things, it was like, you know what? I'm going to screw up. It's not going to be good sometimes. And it's okay. But first, I was just as nervous going in and do my first PowerPoint presentation as I was playing in my first football game. You definitely get better by improving and just going in there and doing it and you learn along the way. Now, when you're playing in professional football, you're, you're in these high pressure situations. You've got to make these split second decisions. Was there anything that you would do to help you ensure that you were performing at your peak each game? Was there anything, you, you, your morning routine or something you'd say to yourself? Like, how would you remain locked in and mentally focused so that you could perform well in a game? Well, I think that for me, I, I just talked to somebody the other day about this. I didn't really have any like superstitions or anything. For me, it was that was the last thing I wanted. I went in every time and just tried to be who I was and tried to stay happy. And, and you know, if I had to go and make a joke among somebody, I did that. We had a lot of fun because the last thing you want to be is tense and tight when you're going into a game. So I really tried to be myself. As far as routines, uh, I always love to get up early and go into work early. I kind of my routine was kind of just getting up early as I got older, more and more into the hot tub and the cold tub and the sauna to get loose for the day. And then you just kind of get into it. Once you get into a good routine that you know works for you, kind of stay with it. Uh, for me, the off season was a little bit about taking a month or two off to be with my family, to regroup, regenerate. And then go back and hit it hard because, you know, once camp starts again, it, it's a long, long process. And so uh, today, definitely more than when I started, uh, it's it's all about health and wellness. Uh, back in the day, you know, I can remember with the Redskins, we didn't even have a lunch plan. So you had to leave uh, workouts in the offseason, go get your own lunch, come back. Uh, so now it's completely changed. It's all about your health and wellness. They have dietitians and nutritionists and and what are you eating? How many calories are you consuming? You know, and, and what does that look like? How does that increase your human performance out in the field? So for me, it was just about trying to establish a good routine. And then especially that had to change all the time as you as your family grows, as you have kids and everything that, you know, when we had to move from one state to another all the time, as you said, I played for seven teams. And we stuck together. And so there was a lot of adjustment always. But some of the things that were the same was going into the building, working out, studying, uh, watching film, and getting to know the people in the building when you went to a new place. Thanks for sharing that. And now I want to ask you about a specific game. November 30th, 2008, the Vikings ended up playing the Chicago Bears, my Chicago Bears, uh, in Minnesota. And you tied the record for the longest touchdown pass, 99 yards to Bernard Marion, who also used to be Chicago Bear, Bear right? Uh, how, what was that like for you? Well, the Vikings and the Bears, it's a big rivalry. Anybody in the NFC North playing each other, it's always a big rivalry. And I loved playing in Minnesota. The fans were just incredible. It was just a joy to be up there. And, and uh, you know, if I could have played my whole career there, it would have been unbelievable. Uh, just just a great place. I uh, loved the, the old dome. Uh, never got to play in the new one, but played in the old one. And, uh, you know, that game, Coach Childress, that was my first time with Coach Childress and Coach Bevel. We're playing the Bears at home. A lot of excitement win this game. You know, it's another step closer to winning the division and those types of things. Because you got to win your division, you know, to to really get into the playoffs and get anywhere. So uh, we're playing that game. You know, it's a tight game. I can remember our defense. The Bears are driving. Uh, our defense makes a goal line stand, fourth and goal. We hold them. Uh, it's pretty exciting. I go to the head coach. Well, Daryl Bevel's the offensive coordinator, and he says, "All right, let's run nine ninety nine FC." And I'm like, "Really?" And he's like, "Yeah." 
Let's let's run it. We're on the half yard line coming out of the end zone. I'm like, okay, that's not a play I've ever had called for me. And usually nine times out of ten, they're, you know, the Bears were, were playing cover two. Well, this time they're playing cover three. They're off. And I'm like, okay, let's see what happens. Take the snap. I drop back. Our line, offensive line, does an amazing job of giving me a great pocket. And when I look to my left, I got Vasante Shanko, who's our tight end, and Bernard Berrien, who's the, the flanker on the left as you said, the, the old bear. And the corner was uh, Peanut Tillman. And in cover three, a lot of times the corners are taught to play both the the seam route and the outside go route. And so he was kind of playing a little bit in the middle. So I stared down Vasante Shanko and uh, saw him cheating a little bit. And I said, okay, we're going to let it rip. And I let it rip down the sideline. And, and you know, 45 yards later, just like you practice, it hits Bernard Berrien perfectly. And, and you, you throw a 99-yard touchdown. And to think about, I played 15 years, never got to play in a Super Bowl, never won a Super Bowl ring. But, you know, there's exciting times that have always happened for me. And, and that was one of the most exciting plays and times in my whole NFL career. So as you're describing that, I'm visualizing and you're taking me back. Obviously, that wasn't the play that I wanted to happen, but uh, I, <laughs> I, I like good football. I mean, usually I don't like rooting for the other team when they're playing against my team, but uh, I love watching good football no matter who's playing. So I appreciate you taking me back to that yeah. game. <laughs> I like going back too. So. <laughs> so outside of that game, do you have another memorable game? that you would say is one of your, your most memorable, most fun, favorite games? Yeah, I would say closing down RFK Stadium as a Redskin. It was the last game ever going to be played there. And, uh, you know, we go into that game and, and we won. We beat the Cowboys uh, to end the season at RFK home games. I love That's my favorite stadium I've ever played in. I loved RFK in Washington, D.C. It was just an incredible place. The bleachers would pounce. It was, it was very intimate. It, it was a great field. You know, back in the day when you had the Hoggettes and then you had the band and everything going in there and the the Redskins were a different team back then in the early 90s and late 90s, uh, I just really enjoyed it. That game was meant a lot to me. And then opening up the new stadium against the Cardinals and, and beating them, which was a rival as well for us, uh, you know, the new stadium was Jack Kent Cook Stadium. Now it's FedEx Field. You know, winning that game as well. I've had a lot of good memories and playing a lot of great games and been very lucky. But uh, those were two times that I think uh, will always stick with me. Okay. So let's go off the field, but still take football with us. So in our lives, there are times where we fumble the ball, we throw an interception, we drop the ball. Can you share with us a time where you've done that outside of the football context? And how did you pick that ball back up and keep on going? What'd you do? Well, you know, I think there's a lot of times when you leave the NFL, there's a lot of transitions that have to happen. Uh, my wife and I, when we take our walks, we like to talk about all of our times and, you know, what would we have done differently? But then you get to the point where like, that's kind of wasted time spent because, you know, you could go back but hindsight's always twenty twenty. Uh, there were always times when I go back, think about transitioning from one team to another. Uh, those things were never easy because I had to leave my family. Uh, I had to uh, go learn a new offense, go meet new people, go learn a whole different language, and then come home and commute back and forth for the offseason until my family could get there. So those were really big struggles for me to be away from them and for my wife because she had to be with the kids all the time by herself. So that was really difficult for Ann, and, and she was really supportive of me through all of that, chasing my dreams 
And, you know, now I really try to be supportive of her. And so when I left the NFL, I think one of the biggest things that I look at that I wish I would have changed was going back through my whole career and all the people I've met, I wish I would have been able to uh, write down names and met people and really understand them, get to know them, because your NFL career is not going to last forever. But all those people that you get to meet being an NFL quarterback at some point in your life, once I got into business, I learned that all those connections could really help me later on. And so making those connections and letting them go by the wayside a lot of times and not following through or sending a note saying hi or thanks, it was great meeting you and all those types of things. I think I would go back and do those again, because now that I'm in business, when I meet people, I get their card. I try to email them. I try to stay connected with them. Not that I'm necessarily going to use them for business or anything, but they'll remember me. And hopefully someday they'll say, oh, I like to guess a lot. Um, you know, I'd love to help them out. Let's see what we can do if there's something that we can work together on. And so I look back a lot of times, even with my kids now, you know, I try to keep relationships with coaches because my son Gunner is trying to be a coach in the NFL. And so reaching out to coaches for him and introducing him to people that I've met and I've known for a long time and seeing if they can help him start his career as a coach in the NFL and so I would just look back and say, you know, I dropped the ball on that, but now I'm trying to kind of regain some of that and learn from my mistakes and in business, trying to keep those relationships going. So connect with people as much as you can. And like you said, LinkedIn does a good job of that. Yeah. And I think it's very important for people to realize the importance of building relationships. It's not just about, well, I need a job. So let me go reach out and start connecting with people. I think it's important to, when you, when you have an opportunity to connect with someone, build that relationship, check in on people. You know, it's, it's not just about what can they do for me right now? It's about meeting good people. And you never know, there may be a situation down the road where they can help open a door or they may know somebody that's looking for your skill set or whatever. So it, I, I spend a lot of time networking and just maintaining relationships with people because you never know when that, and not even from a business standpoint, but even from a personal growth standpoint and LinkedIn, you mentioned, and I've met some fantastic people through LinkedIn that have become, you know, very close friends that have helped me grow into a better person, especially as I left the corporate world and did my own transition to being an entrepreneur. I mean, I've had some great relationships that I've built over the last couple of years from people. And so it's just an important thing to always keep in the back of your mind. Are you a networking and B maintaining relationships that you should be? Yeah. And I think, I think as uh, you know, if I think back to what you asked me, what would be some advice for players? Things are different now. You don't, not many people write hand notes anymore. Email and texting are big, but if there's a way when you meet people to say, Hey, it was nice meeting you or Hey, thank you. Or, Hey, um, you know, I appreciate you having me out. Any of those things mean so much. I've tried to do that as much as I can. I'm not great at it. You know, I'd rather call somebody and talk to them. But if there's one thing I would suggest is to really reach out to people, create those relationships. People never forget that. Sure. And I think what you're getting into as well is the human connection. Like at, the, at our core, we're human beings. We have emotions and we like to feel appreciative and have positive thoughts. It's not just about business. And going back to LinkedIn, I see so many people that get it wrong because they're just trying to sell their stuff on LinkedIn or spam people. And you got to go back to basics, which is build connections with people at a hu on a human emotional level. And that's how you really move the ball and make progress uh, in the business world and in life is by building those human connections. Correct. I agree.
So let's talk about, you have a podcast as well. Uh, so tell us about how long have you been doing it? Why just start it? What the focus is? I have a really good friend who's my co-host, Dave Hager. So Dave and I both are huge Pittsburgh Pirate fans and um, all around Pittsburgh fans. Uh, he's been a friend of mine for 25 years. And we just kind of got tired of listening to talk radio about sports. That no stories. Um, and so I said, let's change that. Let's do our own. Right. And he said, sure, let's try it. So we came up with Huddle Up with Gus. We thought it was a, you know, kind of good play on words, um, myself being in football and bringing somebody, just like you said, let's get in the huddle and then finding out about that person. So what we started with was, you know, we said, let's have a story about that person, but let's do something. What can we do that's different than what normal people would really ask about on sports talk radio and everything? So they went back and said, let's go back to there when they were kids and when they fell in love with sports and how did that shape their life and the success they've had in life. So we don't really have to have people that are in football or in sports. We've had CEOs, we've had doctors, we have lawyers, we've had all kinds of people on because sports has always affected people's lives, good or bad. And uh, we want to find out about that. And so we've had all kinds of types of people on. And we start with one basic question. What was the first time that you remember falling in love with sports? And why is that? So sometimes it's a parent. Sometimes it was a idol that you've watched on TV. Sometimes it's a big brother or sister. And sometimes it's just, hey, I went out in the backyard and I started. Uh, we had a gentleman on the other day. He never really played sports, but he played handball and he became a handball champion uh, growing up in New York City. So sports has connected us all. It helps you get through transitions. It helps you be a good teammate. It helps you sometimes be a good leader. So sports gives us all a lot of skills that we don't really understand. And I think that when we're young and you get to go out in the backyard and you, you get a big group of people out and you pick teams and you go play. There's no parents. There's no coaches. There's no referees. Uh, those are the times that we really grow and get to know ourselves a lot. And that's what we love to hear from the people that come on our show. Absolutely. And as someone who's been on your show, I loved your podcast. I love the flow of it. And I would highly encourage everyone listening to check out Huddle Up with Gus. And we'll be sure to put links to uh, your podcast in the show notes. Thank as well. You. And so now something else that you're involved with is this Energy Innovation Center, the Pittsburgh Gateway. Tell us a little bit more about that and what you're doing with it. Yeah, the, the Pittsburgh Gateways is a group. Quite a few years ago, they bought the it's an old trade school down in Pittsburgh, centrally located in the city of Pittsburgh. And really what they did, they bought the school and they said, can we turn this around to create energy innovation? Can we find a way for companies to come in? and really work together, not single companies, not just one gas company or one electric company, but all of them work together to build a better way to conserve, really understand energy. And so what they did there, they had all these companies come in, they took a bill that was just to heat the building, it's 164,000 square feet, just to heat it alone was, was costing them 80,000 a month, they turned that into costing about 4,500 a month by creating a new technology, putting all these technologies together, and that's how they really started. And so they've taken this Conley Trade School and they've grown this innovation out of it from companies to universities to groups. They have big funds in there that, that people can go to and ask for money to help them build their dreams. You know, there's workforce development in there. And so what I'll be doing with them, I creating a, a human performance 
center out of that. And what we want to do is really look at workforce development. How can we get all these people that are going to be unemployed really back into the workforce, give them new and exciting tools to use for themselves so that when employers look at them, here's my skill sets, we've made them a better employee so that those companies want to be a part of that. And then the other thing we're really looking at doing is bringing esports in as well. We want to be the esports for everyone, you know, where there's no gamer left behind. We want to make it a spot where people can come and, and have a safe place to play. Anybody can go to the EIC, Pittsburgh.com and, and check it out. Energy Innovation Center. The, the latest thing that we've done is Sewing for Angels. It's a group that they started out by just a few volunteers sewing masks for frontline workers. And now it has grown to 500 volunteers. They just got an order for 15,000 masks from a local hospital. So they need volunteers. And we just put a, a whole proposal together to try and get some funding so that we can create this volunteer program into a real workforce program because we are going to need masks. And what we're saying is that we want to buy our masks from America, from people that are working hard, who lost their jobs and can go out. Uh, we need sewers, cutters, stitchers, all those types of things. We need products. So we're trying to look for to raise some funds for this group so that they can go out and protect our frontline workers, but also protect everyone when we're reopening and trying to get our country back to normal. That's great. I think they're, what they're doing is fantastic and they're helping to move the ball in a very powerful way. So I encourage you all check out uh, the Pittsburgh Gateway, the Energy Innovation Center. Uh, we will uh, put the link to the website in the show notes and I hope you all will, will check it out because they're doing some great things there. So what I want to do now is I want to transition to my two-minute drill, seven questions just in succession. Boom, boom, boom. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Here we go. What's your favorite food? I typically say any. I'm not very picky because I grew up with no money and we ate everything that was in front of us. Favorite food for me, cheeseburger. Okay. Anything you like to have on that cheeseburger or just a standard cheeseburger? No, I'm a, I'm a, a lettuce, tomato, pickles, uh, ketchup and mayo guy. Heinz 57. There it's you go. Pittsburgh. All right. How about what's your favorite movie? Oh, there's so many I love. Um, Shawshank Redemption has always been one of my favorites. Uh, sports movies, since I interviewed Dave Hansen, Slapshot has become one of my favorite sports movies. But there's just too many. There's a lot of great movies out there. And I've, I'm more of a sci-fi kind of sports guy. Okay. How about what's your favorite sports team? I think I know the answer to this. Well, baseball would be the Pirates. Hockey would be the Penguins. And football would be teams that I've played for or friends that are still playing in the NFL. Gotcha. I, I was waiting for you to say the pirate. So yes. Anyway, um, how about what is the best piece of advice you've gotten from a coach or a mentor? Uh, just to uh, work hard, keep your nose to the grindstone and don't burn any bridges. And I'm not sure I've always done that, but I've tried. <laughs> okay. So now I'm going to flip it. And what's the best piece of advice that you would give to someone? I, I would say the same thing. Put your nose to the grindstone. When you meet people, look them in the eye, shake their hands, get their card, send them an email, tell them, nice to meet you, thank you, please, welcome, whatever it is that they did for you or helped you with or you did for them. And I think that that just shows respect and, and what kind of person you are. Uh, how about what is one thing that most people don't know about you? Mm, I collect old baseball cards. So cards from the 50s, 60s, 70s. Nice. And the last question is, if you could be any superhero, who would you be and why? Well, I would probably be S Superman. 
because people said I've looked like like Clark Kent when I didn't have gray hair. So when I had my glasses and I was young, they said I looked like Clark Kent. So maybe it was Superman. Why? I don't know. He could do whatever he wanted. There you go. All right. Well, as we wrap up today's show, uh, tell our listeners what's the best way to follow you and see what you're up to aside from uh, the podcast and the uh, Innovation Center. Yeah, they can follow me. I'm just on social media. It's just Gus Farratt. You can find me, just type my name in on any social media you're on, on LinkedIn. They can find me as well. Podcast, I do a lot on there. And uh, we're always tweeting and doing Facebook and LinkedIn about the podcast as well. So uh, anybody can find me. And and also, they can go to uh, huddleupwithgus.com. That's our website. We're getting ready to revamp that a little bit and put more information out. That's how everybody can find me. Okay, great. And again, we'll have all of those links in and the social channels in the show notes. You can uh, stay up to date with what Gus is up to and how he's moving the ball. So Gus, thank you again so much for being on the show today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Jen, for having me on. I haven't moved the ball in a long time, so this really helped. Great. And thanks again to everyone for listening. And we will talk with you on the next show. Uh, Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And until next time, make sure that you suit up you show up and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.jenniferagarrett.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.